0: I'm Deirdre O'Mahony, a partner in the Litigation, Dispute, Resolution and Investigations Department of Arthur Cox and a member of the firm's Health and Safety
1: Group. And I'm Alan Coyne, an associate in the Litigation, Dispute, Resolution and Investigations Department. And I'm also a member of the firm's Health and Safety Group.
0: And in this audio briefing, we plan to discuss HSA inspections, including what you might expect from an inspection by the HSA, what powers the HSA can exercise when it comes to inspect your workplace, what the outcome of an inspection might be, and some practical tips to help you prepare. And this topic is is very relevant at the moment because the Health and Safety Authority reportedly carried out over 5,000 workplace inspections between May and September of this year. And the majority of those inspections related to COVID-19. And the volume of inspections by the HSA seems likely to rise with news that the Oireachtas COVID-19 Special Committee has recommended an increase in the number of HSA inspectors to ensure enforcement and compliance with COVID-19 safety measures. And there's also been a boost in funding for the HSA, which was announced as part of the recent budget measures. So Alan, let's talk about the HSA's powers. Um, Of course, the HSA exercises those powers through its inspectors who visit workplaces both for routine and non-routine inspections, Um, for example, when a workplace accident
1: occurs? Thanks, Deirdre. I suppose before we delve into the powers themselves, the the first thing to mention is that, despite the novelty of the COVID-19 pandemic and our concern with it at the moment, the statutory powers of inspectors haven't changed and they remain as set out in the 2005 Safety, Health and Welfare at Work Act. So we'll just touch on on some of them very quickly and um, so inspectors have very broad and expansive powers which they can use to by way of example enter and search your workplace
0: and to be clear Alan they don't need a warrant to enter and search a workplace
1: that's a very good point to mention Deirdre and once they are in your workplace they can also inspect any work activity process or procedure and any substance article or records moving on then they can also require the production of records or documents
0: And that might include typically, for example, the safety statement, risk assessments, method statements, permits to work and any other health and safety documentation which is relevant to the workplace and or the activity under inspection. So there's a very broad power that the HSA inspector has to request um, the production of uh, records and documentation either during the course of his or her inspection or afterwards but that power isn't entirely unlimited and we'll come to that a little bit later on.
1: And moving away from the documents in terms of your employees or you as an employer, the inspector can effectively summon you to provide any information and answer questions.
0: And that can mean anything from answering questions informally or discussing issues or activities informally raised by the inspector during his or her inspection. To attending a more formal interview for example which might involve the inspector asking a number of pre-prepared questions and um, at the end of the interview the giving of a formal written statement by the interviewee.
1: And if we now just turn to your equipment and machinery so this is very relevant in terms of your business continuity and business operations so the inspector can remove any article or substance They can carry out any testing or analysis of your equipment and they can dismantle any machinery which presents a risk. So, again, these powers are very broad and could have significant implications for your business operation.
0: And to add, the inspector can also require that any um, location or place within a workplace is, is left undisturbed until... Um, his or her examination or search or analysis of a particular work activity or a piece of equipment is concluded for example and, and that can have a pretty significant impact on business continuity and um, so again a, a very significant power in, in certain circumstances when exercised by hsa inspector
1: and just to conclude on their powers and if all of that wasn't enough the inspector can also require you as the employer or any employee to give the inspector any such assistance within that person's control or responsibilities.
0: Yeah, so this is a catch-all, Alan, which requires an employer to, to generally assist the inspector in the discharge of his or her duties. So for example, According to the general power that allows a HSA inspector to request um, records or documentation, that includes um, records held electronically. But obviously, in respect of electronic records, they will require and they are entitled to assistance in order to access those records. But this power and the power to request records in general isn't completely unlimited, as I mentioned earlier. The ask from the inspector has to be necessary and reasonable. And if I suppose you feel for whatever reason that it is neither necessary nor reasonable, um, and it may, for example, impact upon your work activities in a manner, you know, that is so significant that threatens business continuity. In certain circumstances, you may want to, at a minimum, query that with the inspector or at a maximum perhaps object to them accessing or reviewing um, particular materials or um, requiring the the taking of a particular step um, during, during an inspection. So although there are other powers, those are some of the main powers I think that a HSA inspector has which are similar to the powers held by other regulators. And it's really important to be informed and to understand what the HSA is entitled to do when it proposes to to enter your workplace. And there are a number of reasons for this. So that you can be prepared for what an inspector might do, what records they might look for, etc. And and that can help in terms of making the inspection run smoothly, both from your perspective and from the perspective of the inspector. But the other important point to make Um, which I've touched upon is that the HSA's powers, although they are very broad, are not entirely unlimited. And there may be instances where it might be considered that an inspector is exceeding his or her powers. And it may be appropriate to to query or challenge that, um, bearing in mind that um, apart from the business continuity issue that I mentioned, what happens during an inspection can inform enforcement action taken by the HSA in due course um, and evidence collected during an inspection may be relevant to an investigation or or even a prosecution down the line. So apart from familiarising yourself with HSA's powers, which is really important, there are other practical measures that you can take to prepare for a HSA inspection. Um, Whether or not you've been informed in advance that an inspection is due to take place, And we do know that in some cases, the HSA will tell you in advance that they plan to carry out an inspection. um, But they're not obliged to do so. And they don't always let you know in advance. So, so Alan, bearing that in mind, um, what can listeners do to help to prepare for a HSA inspection, whether it's announced or unannounced?
1: Well, there are a couple of very practical steps which are relatively easy and straightforward, which employers can take to help prepare. So the first one is to have a person whose role it is, is to effectively liaise with the inspector and accompany them on their inspection. So the obvious choice for this is a health and safety officer, but if you do not have one equally, a senior manager would be suitable for this role. And the purpose of this is to ensure that the, obviously the inspector is assisted in their inspection and that any documents they request are provided. But from the employer's perspective, it's really important that this person takes a good note of the inspection, so effectively records what documents the inspector requests, any questions they ask, and any recommendations that they make. So these can be formal recommendations at the conclusion of the inspection, or or equally they could be informal comments, and it's really important to have a note of these because it can really help with actioning any follow-up arising from the inspection. The next point is to have an inspection protocol which effectively sets this information out in terms of who will meet with the inspector and lists the documents that the inspector is likely to request and again emphasizes the importance of taking a note of the inspection in terms of dealing with the inspector every inspector will have a different approach but it's really important to not be afraid to ask the inspector questions as Deirdre has already mentioned so For example, at the outset of an inspection, it makes sense to ask what type of inspection is it? Is it a COVID inspection or a routine inspection or a non-routine inspection that may have arisen due to an accident? So related to this, while we are obviously most concerned with COVID-19 at the moment, that doesn't mean that other areas will not be inspected by the Health and Safety Authority. And equally, during a COVID inspection, other issues of non-compliance could be uncovered. And that's also something to be aware of. So just to conclude on the tips for preparing for an inspection, I think it's really important to keep that detailed note of the inspection. So this should record not only the documents that the inspector reviews, but also who they interview, what questions they ask, what locations did they look at, and any comments or recommendations that they made.
0: Yeah, and I think just to underline that point, Alan, it is really important to have a record of the inspection in particular so that any um, advice or recommendations given by the inspector are uh, recorded and can be followed up. Um, And it's important to be really clear about what those recommendations are that have been made by the inspector during his or her inspection and what follow-up measures, um, if any, he or she believes should be taken. And the inspector may exercise his or her statutory powers to require those follow-up measures to be taken, and and we'll come to this at the end. But they may also just informally express certain views um, during the inspection, and and it's good practice to record any such um, recommendations or advice from the inspector and to follow up to ensure that they get implemented. It's also worth emphasising that whilst it's important to be aware of the limits of the HSA's powers, there is a general obligation on employers to cooperate with the HSA and it is an offence under the 2005 Act to prevent or obstruct an inspector from exercising their functions. It's also an offence if you fail to comply with the request um, or instruction of an inspector. But from experience um, and anecdotally, most employers are keen to cooperate and work with the HSA during an inspection, whether it's announced or unannounced. And I think that's absolutely the right attitude to have. Um, But I would caution in relation to non-routine inspections. Um, so, for example, an inspection that takes place following an accident, which might potentially lead to a criminal investigation and potentially even a prosecution, that it may be important to obtain advice on your rights and obligations in those circumstances when you're engaging with the HSA. So a lot of what we've talked about so far is general But let's talk specifically about COVID-19 for a moment, given that the majority of those 5,000 inspections that I mentioned at the start um, were COVID-19 related inspections by the HSA. And maybe the starting point is to remember that in essence, COVID-19 is just another workplace hazard, even though it has for many people changed fundamentally um, the way that they work or prevented them from working entirely. So on a first principles basis, that means that as a workplace hazard, um, the safety statement um, should be reviewed and expanded to address the risks arising from COVID-19 and risk assessment should be carried out in the normal way to address um, COVID-19 specific um, risks. And all of that work in uh, addressing the risk of COVID-19 should be taken in view of um any available advice and guidance that might be relevant to your particular sector and the overarching guidance um which is of importance to every workplace is that um published by the, the government recently the work safety protocol so Alan can you speak to I suppose what else employers should bear in mind when they are implementing the protocol?
1: Yes, sir, no problem. I think the First thing to mention in relation to the protocol, and just to touch on what you mentioned in relation to the obligation to update existing risk assessments and safety statements, etc., is that the protocol is designed to help employers and employees adapt their practices and procedures. But it's important to emphasise that it doesn't change the general duty of employers under the 2005 Act. So that, as we all know, is as far as is reasonably practicable to protect the safety, health, and welfare of employees, but the protocol in essence recommends additional steps that employers should take to discharge this duty. So again, it's important to remember that your obligations under the 2005 Act and any regulations, codes of practice, etc., remain in force, and employers should be aware when implementing any new health and safety measures. For example, the use of PPE being an obvious one that they should be aware of the existing framework, which governs those measures. And likewise, any industries with specific guidance in place will have to review and update their guidance in line with the the recently updated protocol that's been published by the government.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a really important reminder. um, Again, that much of the guidance and legislation um, that is in place remains applicable and employers should be very mindful of their existing obligations um, and layer the additional guidance in respect of COVID-19 on on top of that. And Alan, can you take us through maybe some of the headline points from from that protocol?
1: Well, the first thing to mention, Deirdre, is that employers must have a COVID-19 response plan. So this should be treated as a living document and it needs to be updated regularly to ensure that it is in line with the most recent public health and industry guidance. And this is more important than ever now, given that the economy is reopening up, et cetera. So everything that flows from the response plan should be reviewed and updated. And this was emphasised by the government in the updated protocol, which was recently published. So it's key that your health and safety practices and procedures are continually monitored and equally that those practices and procedures are communicated and understood by your employees. So the plan in essence will have to identify risks in your workplace and these will obviously vary depending on the type of workplace but there are a couple of common ones which we're all familiar with at this stage so these include your infection prevention and control measures social distancing and in respiratory hygiene etc and the response plan should deal with these and it should also set out how any risks arising are going to be mitigated so how are you going to deal with an employee who presents with symptoms, for example. And aside from this, the protocol also covers some key areas which include induction training for staff and the role of the worker representative. So for any of these measures which are implemented, for example, all of your control measures, it's important that records are retained of these which can be produced to the inspector. This includes a contact tracing log to facilitate contact tracing, and systems for recording all of your site visits for contractors, workers, etc. And you should be ready to produce these for inspection.
0: Okay, so so drawing from um, those points which outline some of the control measures that are set out in the in the protocol that employers are, are required to take. Can you talk a little bit about how those measures might be viewed or reviewed by an inspector during an inspection? Um, and, and I suppose what approach an, a HSA in, inspector might take?
1: Well, Deirdre, I don't think it should come as, as any surprise to anyone that they will want to review your visible control measures. So these are all of the things that the inspector can walk around and inspect. So your signs and procedures you have in place in relation to physical distancing, your infection prevention and control measures, so your hand washing and hand sanitising facilities and any measures that you have space for enhanced cleaning, etc. So, those are things which are visible. And so, for things which are not visible, so they may ask you questions in relation to how are you going to deal with a suspected case, how contact in this person can be minimized, and what procedures are in place to deal with that. So, for example, do you have an isolation room that someone can be put in? Moving on from that, as we're all aware, induction training is required for all returning workers. And the inspector is likely to ask if this has taken place, and they may look for evidence of this, so your attendance records and certificates of induction training and these should be retained and ready to be produced. One thing which the protocol emphasizes is the importance of collaboration and communication between employers and employees, and this is reflected in the obligation of an employer to appoint at least one worker representative so the function of this is to assist the employer in implementing the response plan and its and its related measures. And they also have a role in monitoring compliance with the measures. And I suppose they can interact with the employer in terms of communicating what measures are working and, and what aren't. So it's quite possible that the inspector might look to speak to the worker representative and ask them questions on the response plan and their role and responsibilities within it. So just to conclude on what the inspector is likely to request to see, obviously there is the response plan, the contract tracing log, and any other documents that relate to your work and the return to work protocol. So obviously it's important to remember that the inspector can remove these and take copies of them. So Deirdre, at this point, the inspection is effectively concluded. And I wonder if you could talk about what what is likely to happen at this stage so how is the inspector likely to close out the inspection and what sanctions or follow-up may occur
0: thanks alan so so at the at the wrapping up stage or the completion of an inspection um the inspector will typically hold a close-out meeting um with the most senior person in charge of the workplace on that day and from an employer's perspective you know preferably you'd have the most senior person and in some circumstances, you know, the managing director or the CEO um, or a director or other kind of senior manager um, meet with the inspector at the end of an inspection when the inspector will typically give either a, a verbal or a written um, report or both of the inspection in terms of um, any in particular any breaches that they have identified and any um, recommendations or measures that they require to be taken and any um, documentation um, that they require to be provided after the inspection. So there's a range of steps that that an inspector can take um, following his or her inspection to address any issues that they've identified on a kind of sliding scale of seriousness, depending on, on what they've seen. And they include um, the, the the report of inspection letter that I mentioned, and that may set out um, breaches or potential breaches identified or areas where improvements can be made. Um, the inspector can also issue a written direction to the employer to submit a plan within one month of the inspection to improve some part of their work activity or practice or procedure. And then moving along the the scale of seriousness, um, an inspector can issue an an improvement notice, which is a a written notice exercising his or her statutory powers under the 2005 Act, um, which states the inspector's opinion that um, there's been a breach of a statutory provision, for example, and requiring that contravention to, to be addressed within a certain period of time And finally, um, an inspector may serve a prohibition notice on an employer where he or she is of the opinion, for example, that an activity is likely to involve a risk of serious personal injury to to any person. And that notice will prohibit either the workplace activity in general or more typically a specific activity um, from taking place until the risk identified is eliminated or mitigated to the inspector's satisfaction. Um, The prohibition notice will take effect immediately from when the the, the person on whom the notice is served receives that notice. And obviously, um, the service of a prohibition notice following an inspection will have a a serious and potentially significant impact on, um, on business continuity. So those are the measures that an inspector can take following a HSA inspection. But I think it's important to point out that based on the statistics, um, in the vast majority of inspections that are carried out by the HSA, the outcome of the inspection is the giving of written advice um, rather than the service of an improvement notice or um, a prohibition notice. So in 2019, for example, of the approximately 10,000 inspections and investigations that were carried out by the HSA in that year, um, only 389 improvement notices or improvement directions were issued and 564 prohibition notices were issued. And against that, um, the vast majority of inspections and investigations in that year resulted in the issuance of written advice from the HSA. So I think that's encouraging employers, although you should be aware that in a worst case scenario, you may be issued with a prohibition notice on foot of an inspection. In fact, in the vast majority of cases, the likelihood is that you will get some written advice from the HSA inspector in terms of what he or she has observed in your workplace on the day. Um, So maybe moving towards a conclusion at this stage, um, Alan, it might be helpful for us to set out some of the maybe the key tips or takeaways that our listeners should be aware of when they're faced with a HSA inspection, whether it's COVID-19 or non-COVID-19 related, and whether it's announced or or unannounced.
1: Thanks, Deirdre. I think there are a couple of things that employers should be aware of in preparing for an inspection. So whether it's a COVID inspection or a non-COVID inspection, your workplace policies and procedures have to be up to date. So this includes your risk assessment and safety statements and for COVID obviously the response plan and all of the documents that flow from that that we have discussed. And Related to this it's important to ensure that these policies and procedures are being implemented in practice so it's not good enough if you have documented your health and safety practices and procedures but are not in fact implementing them in practice. The next one is in relation to an inspection itself, so to ensure that you cooperate with the inspector, but also, as we've mentioned, ensure that someone is designated to accompany the inspector and that this person keeps a good note of the inspection. And the final thing just to be aware of is, while an inspection may be focused on assessing COVID-19, for example, just to be aware that other breaches or issues could be identified and uncovered during a COVID inspection that don't relate to it, And you should be ready to deal with these issues as and when they arise
0: and importantly employers should always follow up on any recommendations made by a HSA inspector and of course comply with any improvement notice or prohibition notice issued on foot of an inspection so that's it for us from this short discussion on the topic of HSA inspections We hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Thank you for listening and goodbye.